Now for a storyteller who, as far as we know, has never worked in a bat cave or as a scavenger. However, she has worked many jobs. Kathleen Kirk has had many jobs to support her life in the arts, and lots of them were in libraries not in bad caves. In fact, these days, you can often find her at the normal public library. Tonight, she joins us to tell a story about a particular library job and taking care of the business of life and death at the City News Bureau of Chicago, Kathleen Kirk. Can you see me? Can you hear me? All right, good. Uh, yes, I have had many, many jobs to support my life in the arts. When I moved to Chicago, my plan was to be an actor and support myself with freelance writing and support my writing as an actor. I, I think I may have been doomed to failure there, um, but it, it kind of worked. Um, for the first year, I was doing some paid freelance writing, and that was wonderful. But after that, I had to get uh, wage-earning jobs. My, my, my two role models for my original plan um, are, were Emily Dickinson. I love her, an immortal poet. But she stayed home all her life, and other people paid her bills. And William Shakespeare, another immortal poet who did act in plays, his own. So, you know, I kind of thought I could do it, but then I had to work. And amazingly, a lot of my um, jobs were in libraries, maybe not so amazing. I had worked at the normal public library in my college summers. I had a little library job um, at uh, college, so I had actual experience. So in Chicago, I worked um, for Northwestern University's Medical Library. My job there included photocopying um, articles from non-circulating medical journals to send out to um, doctors working in the city. So I've seen lots and lots of photos of medical conditions, I hope I never have. Uh, another library job was with the Newbury Library, a research institution in special collections, handling rare books and letters and documents of writers so, so fragile and so important that sometimes we had to wear gloves to handle them. The researchers could only use pencils. The books were held open by cloth uh, book snakes. So very, very interesting work, as was the work in the job I'm going to tell you about now. Uh, I, had, I had come to a, a, a point where I had been acting for money, and that ended. Uh, and some freelance writing work had ended. So I was happily writing my poems and my short stories. And nobody pays you to write poems and short stories. So it was time to go get another paying job. So I did what had worked for me before to get a job, which was to go to the lakefront and play volleyball. I played volleyball with a group of actors and friends of actors, and there I could say, it's time for me to get another job. Does anybody have one? And, and Kim 
Kishbaugh, who worked at the City News Bureau of Chicago, said, yeah, yeah, we've got a job. And I'm thinking, City News Bureau of, of Chicago, that's, that's like the, that's the journalism boot camp. That's where all the great Chicago reporters learned how to be reporters. I, I have writing experience. I have editing experience, but I don't have a journalism degree. Kim, I don't have a journalism degree. Oh, it's not a writing job. Um, oh, you probably don't want it. It's, it's part-time. It's low wage. And she's like, that's all my jobs. What is it? And she said, it's the morgue librarian. So I did have lots of library experience. I had no morgue experience. <laughs> so I, I'm picturing myself, notebook in hand, pencil going down to the morgue and collecting lots and lots of facts of all the dead bodies in Chicago from the medical examiner and the police and maybe some family members and carrying it back to the City News Bureau for the reporters and the news editors there. And I don't know if this was flashing across my face. I think I did say, Kim, do I have to go down to the morgue? And she laughed and explained to me that the morgue librarian is the keeper of dead news stories. The news is only news when it's new, when it's breaking, when it's being reported right now. And then after that, it's been reported, and it's published in the paper, and now it's dead. It's still important, though. Um, it needs to be on file. Uh, and, and so I got the job of morgue librarian, which was one of the best jobs in the world that I will now explain to you. <laughs> My job was to read the paper really, really closely to the two major papers, the Chicago Tribune and the Chicago Sun-Times. And those two papers owned the City News Bureau, which sent news to them and to all the radio, TV, and other print news outlets in the city that subscribed to it. And I would read the news, cut it up, fold it up and stick it into little morgue envelopes filed alphabetically in morgue drawers that were just like morgue drawers, only smaller. And then all of that news that's already been reported is on file for when the reporters call me up for background details for the news stories that they're writing now. Um, you know, when did this guy last get... Or, arrested. I go and find out. What did he say in court last year, and now he's up for this? I go and pull out the news story and, and tell them. They were doing the necessary fact-checking, which was huge at City News Bureau. All of the young reporters are being trained that nothing that you call a fact is really a fact unless it's confirmed by two independent sources on the wall at the City News Bureau of Chicago is a big banner that says something that one of the legendary news editors of the past said while trying to tell young reporters, you have to double check everything. It says, if your mother says she loves you, check it out. <laughs> All right, so that's City News, which has been functioning since 
1890, when it was founded by 10 newspapers thriving in Chicago at the time, and they wanted uh, reporters to get the police news at night. By the time Kim and I were working there, 35 young reporters out there learning how to do it are phoning their stories back into the news editors right here who are rewriting the stories uh, and sending them out. It was a great place to work. I loved it so much. I was so well informed during that time. So all through the summer and on into the fall, I'm loving my work. Then one day I, I have to go in and talk to Joe Riley, the big boss. I have some news. <laughs> I say, when I come back from the little Christmas break, I'm going to be pregnant and married. Congratulations, he says. And my baby is due in June. And would it, would it be all right? I, I'd like to take off three months. You know, this is a part-time job. There's no paid <laughs> maternity leave. But I love this job, and I want it to be there when I come back. Could I take off three months, bond with my baby, find somebody to replace me? I'll find the person, and then I'll come back. And he said, yes. Usually people don't offer to find their replacement, but I wanted this job to be there. So I found a college graduate who wanted a summer job. She was going off to graduate school in the fall. She loved the job just like me. End of the summer, August 31st, in fact, because I double-checked this. <laughs> So my facts would be correct. I, I, I was going to start on Monday. This is a Friday. So I go down to City News to show them all my baby. I Public transportation slang. I introduce baby Hudson to everybody. They're happy to see him. I go in and talk to Joe. And I say, Joe, my baby pretty much just, you know, sleeps and eats and sits in this little bucket and... Joe, could I bring my baby to work? I'm breastfeeding. There won't be any bottles or anything like that. I've got everything that I need. He's a very wise man. Good guy. He says, yeah, yeah, we'll try it. So on Monday, I brought my baby to work. I set him in his little bucket, and he watched me read the paper and cut out the stories and fold them up and file them in the morgue drawers. He watched me answer the phone and uh, tell the reporters the facts they needed to know. When it was time to nurse, I could just swivel my chair that way over into the... I could feed him, I could burp him, I could change him while wild, frantic news is going on there and the PR service is working over there. It was wonderful. And what happened was, when the news editors would get a story done, you know, they're yelling at the reporters, I need this, I need that. They finally get it all done. They, they send it out. They needed a, a 10 or 15 minute break. And they would come back to the library and gaze at my little sleeping baby in his bucket. Or if he was awake, they'd play with him. Or if he was on his blanket on the floor, they'd sit down cross-legged and play with him there. It was just wonderful. I, I was a feminist getting on-site daycare by asking for it, right? And making all these news editors so happy. I wish that could have gone on forever. 
but the whole cold, hard truth was coming in the form of a cold, hard winter. I knew I couldn't keep taking my baby to work on public transportation, January and February. And, and I also knew that uh, I'd have to pay a babysitter at home and pretty much her wages would eat up my wages. So probably a large change was coming that would involve me going to graduate school and qualifying for all of that. So I knew that was, that was coming. But sadly, it was also coming for the City News Bureau. My son was born in uh, June of 1990, which was also the 100th anniversary of the City News Bureau of Chicago. Uh, but 1990 was also the birth of the World Wide Web. The internet already existed and was advancing. The World Wide Web meant connectivity, uh, sharing of information. Pretty soon all the papers were al also posting their stories electronically. There was no need for a morgue librarian, but eventually there was no need for the City News Bureau. And in 1999, it died for lack of funding. My son was nine, he was thriving. I'd had a daughter, she was five, and she grew up to be a journalist. <laughs> I think so fondly on that time. I was part of an era of great journalism, real news, real respect for the news. And Joe Riley, I, um, at the birthday, the 100th birthday, he was interviewed by the Tribune, and he was praising the rigorous training of reporters in those days. And he said, I think young people have to learn how to get their facts straight. After you learn how to be a reporter, then you can learn how to be a poet. A poet, oh boy. <laughs> that resonated with me. He's talking about the kind of journalist that wins a Pulitzer Prize. But I'm, I like to think of myself now as a poet who is reporting on the business of life and death. I'm grateful for my time at City News. I'm grateful that I got to be a morgue librarian. It, it kept me alive. And I can say, 30 years later, this slight revision, if your mother says she loves you, it's not fake news. <laughs> <laughs>